Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in third and final hour here on Tuesday morning. And you know, when we had the migrant families coming in, the unsheltered families coming in, everybody was saying, well, what about, what about the American folks that are in need? What about the people who are American citizens and the help that they need? Why isn't anybody doing anything to help them? And here's an opportunity to be able to do so. Because joining us on the line right now, we have Amanda Jacob of Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod. And she's going to talk to us about something that they are doing to help people that are in need right now. And let's bring her on. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, and thanks for doing what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about what is, what, what, well, first of all, what is Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod? How did it get started? And, and what is the mission? Um, Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod is a foundation that, me and my classmate friend Patrick Downey started. We both attend four C's, majoring in human services, and we got together and we really wanted to help the unhoused, our unhoused population, people early in recovery, or domestic violence survivors here on Cape Cod because um, the need was big. So we started Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod, where we make bags for the homeless or those in need, um, whether it's clothing, hats, blankets, tents, um, hygiene products. And um, it really, Cape Cod came together to help us start this. Well, and of course, homelessness is a big problem that requires big solutions. And being able to solve the crisis is something that, you know, two people aren't going to be able to to do on their own. But what you and, and, and Patrick can do is you can take your opportunity here to at least help people that are in the situation, try to get through that situation a little bit better. Correct. Yeah, we've been able to um, gain some attention from Representative Steven Zaros. Um, we've been working with housing assistance and getting into the shelters. Um, different other different companies have been really supportive where we're able to reach more of the homeless population. And uh, what what has been the reaction from those that you have been able to help? Because they're probably at a point where they're thinking to themselves, uh, you know, no, nobody cares about me at this point. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the way that people treat the homeless, that people treat the addicted. A lot of folks will try to turn a blind eye rather than, than try to help. So I'm sure it's probably inspiring for them to see someone like yourself coming out and, and doing something good like this. I think it gives them a little bit of hope. Um, you know, it's getting really cold and they don't have many places that they can go. So we've been able to provide the tents, the thermal blankets, the thermal sleeping bags. And, you know, you see that little spark and that little hope that, you know, people are here for them. And one of the, you know, criticisms that you hear from people when when they ask for 
help for the homeless is, you know, you'll get those folks that'll say, well, why don't you invite them into your homes if you're so worried about them? But not everybody has the opportunity to do that. Not everybody has a, a situation where they can do something like that. And I'm sure many people would if they could. But this is a chance to be able to help somebody even if you can't welcome them into your home or, or find them an apartment, it's a way to still make sure that they can survive through what is already starting to be uh, what, what might be a pretty severe winter. I agree. And we're able, uh, with me and Patrick, we do have resources that we know of that can help them. So if, if we can reach them, get them supplies they need, we're able to point them in a direction where they might be able to get help in getting housing or food or whatever that may be. So you're you're focusing primarily on Cape Cod, where where you live, uh, and what is the the homeless population on Cape Cod like? Is it you know we know that there's a lot of addiction struggles on Cape Cod. It's always pointed to as as kind of a, a ground zero for the opioid epidemic, but as you mentioned too, it's also domestic violence victims, people who had no choice but to leave the situation that they were in for fear of their own lives. What how would you kind of characterize the people that make up the Cape Cod homeless population? Um, it I. It's a lot. There's, we have our veterans. Um, maybe people don't understand that. We have a lot of veterans that are homeless. And you're correct. With, we had a woman who came to us recently who had to leave with nothing but the clothes on her back. She had nowhere to go. We're helping her. It's not just people in recovery. It's people who are having a hard time living in this economy, especially on Cape Cod. Um, so it, it's a wide range of people that are homeless. And that is something, you know, we talk here in New Bedford about the housing crisis and about how hard it is for people to find affordable places to live. And it's it's that much worse on Cape Cod where you have, you know, a limited amount of housing and, and people that are looking for top dollar for it. And even if you can get into a place, you know, there's a chance that it's only going to be until the summer months when they can get more money for it. And the housing lists are long. Uh, the wait lists are very long, um, which is hard. And even the shelters we do have, we have one shelter for men and, you know, only maybe two or three for women with children. So there's not a lot of resources at the moment. And we're hoping that we can raise awareness to help with this. So with Hopeful Outreach, you know, you're, you're trying to put together these winter bags, as you said before, you know, jackets, hand warmers, tents, gloves, blankets, things like that. How can people help if they want to be able to, to make a donation? Can they send you the items? Can they send you, you know, Amazon cards to be able to buy the items? What, what works best? So we can be found on Facebook, Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod. We currently have an Amazon wish list, which our followers suggested that we do, which has been very helpful. Um, we have a GoFundMe, Patrick jumps in the ocean every $50 that we make. That all goes to us getting the supplies we need. We have been paying out of pocket for a lot of these items. So with between the GoFundMe and the Amazon wish list, um, they're a huge help. Those are both linked on our Facebook page. And we can also be reached at hopefuloutreach at yahoo.com. If you do have a need, you can reach out to us. Wait, did you say he jumps in the ocean for every $50 that's he, donated? He <laughs> He does. He actually jumped in in the snow in the ocean the other day. I mean, a $50 donation is not, not that hard for a lot of people to make. I, I want to see a lot of people making this guy jump in the ocean over the next couple of days. <laughs> He's been phenomenal, and we're really passionate about what we do. Um, so if we can get that money to get these supplies out to these people, we're going to do it. 
All right. So again, if everybody wants to follow along, you can find them on Facebook, Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod. You can also email them, hopefuloutreach at yahoo.com. Amanda, thank you for joining us and please keep us up to date with how everything's going. I will. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Uh, that is Amanda Jacob of Hopeful Outreach of Cape Cod. And again, if you want to help, uh, you can find them on Facebook and you can also email them hopefuloutreach at yahoo.com. And, you know, people, I think, get overwhelmed. They want to help. They want to be able to do something to assist folks that are in need. But the problem is so big that they say, well, what can I as one person do? And really, it's doing something like this. It's going out and giving these people the items that they need. It's not, I know, you know, it's a, it's a matter of debate. We hear it all the time about whether or not if somebody is standing, you know, at an intersection with their hand out looking for money, should you give them that money? And some folks say, absolutely not. Give it to the services that will, the organizations that will give them the services they need and, and direct those people to those services. Other people look at it and say, well, if I'm going to just donate a couple of bucks, what difference does it make if I'm giving it to them or not? And you know what? Maybe they are going to go use that to, to, to buy, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever. But if it gets them through another day, then it gets them through another day. Some people look at it from that perspective. Um, I've always been somebody that looks at it more from the perspective of, well, what can you do directly to affect somebody? What can you do to help them out? And I've been somebody that has been homeless before. So I, I have a unique perspective on it. Well, I shouldn't say unique because a lot of people have been in that situation. But I think that there is a, you know, a grassroots desire to do something, but that people just look and say the problem is too big. What they are doing with Hopeful Outreach, and hopefully this is something that will spread, uh, they are doing something directly on that small basis that can make a difference. So if you go out and get one person a, a thermal blanket and a tent and some hand warmers, that's one person's whose life you might have saved over the course of this winter. And that's one person helped is still better than no people helped. So whatever you can do to, to offer some assistance, absolutely don't feel like the problem is bigger than the solution that you can give, making that difference. And you know what? Maybe that person then gets into a situation where they say, okay, I found a place to live. I found a place to stay thanks to Hopeful Outreach or other organizations that help them connect with that. And now I'm going to take this, these items that were given to me and I'm going to give those to somebody else in the same situation until they can find a place. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Spooky Tim. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Can I change the subject a little bit? You can. Okay, I know, I know it's a very serious subject, but I want to change something not, not so serious. You know, I've always uh, uh, enjoyed your uh, music choices. Uh, you play things that I know. You play things that I don't know. I've never heard before. Some things I like, some things I don't like, okay? But uh, waking up here with you uh, <laughs> in the morning, I sometimes I you know I don't hear, hear things correct. I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, and because uh, you get you got a good uh, knowledge of music, wide knowledge. Uh, you talked about hot before, and you said you didn't like the. Uh, uh, there was a song that uh, I, I think it's Mary uh, Mary Wilson sang. Uh, uh, what was the song now? Um, it was uh, it was all I want to do is make love. Yes, to you. yes, yes. 
Now, uh, you know, I'd like to know why, because I always thought that was a pretty good song. Uh, you know, there's a difference between uh, words and uh, lyrics, okay? And it and it tells a story. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to know why, because you've got good knowledge of music. Go ahead. I don't like the story that it tells. I, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't like the fact that this woman in the song, you know, she she's married to a guy or, or in love with a guy. They can't yeah, have the kids, can't, so yeah. she just gets you know pregnant by some random stranger. I just uh, it it it, it, it kind of creeps me out a little bit. I, I I see. Okay. Well, that's that's a good explanation. I I just like it because it, it it tells a story, and uh, I I I always thought the you know the end when she when she explains why she did what she did was kind of. You know, uh, a surprise in a sense. You know. Yeah, I know it's a nice little twist ending to the song, and it's a, it's a, the song is good. Like the song structure, the music, you know, the melody, all that is very good. I just don't the the message. Even as a kid, in you know, nineteen ninety when it came out, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be, I'd be kind of upset if I was uh, involved in that story somehow. So then you, I, I guess you'd agree with the Pope when the Pope says he doesn't want to see people be surrogate mothers, I guess, huh? No? Yes? No, I'm totally fine with that. I just don't like the fact that this was all done, like, behind everybody's back, you know, like... Oh, that she tricked the guy. Yeah, she know, basically, yeah, she tricked, she tricked the guy into fathering a child that he had no idea existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then probably, you know, I don't know what she told the guy that she's in love with, because she if she... tell him anything, I would think. <laughs> well, but that's the thing is, like, if she knows that he can't get her pregnant, then maybe he knows that, too. And then all of a sudden she comes home pregnant. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. How'd this happen? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he doesn't know he can't get her pregnant. Isn't life strange at times, I tell you, you know, so. Uh... The, the thing I have to keep telling myself, it's just yeah. a song. It's not real. It yeah, didn't really yeah, happen. It's yeah, just a story. Yeah. But I remember when I saw it, I think it was played on MTV at the time. I, I always... Uh, was uh, you know uh, surprised by the end of the first time that I saw it, and again I think it's what's her, is her name Mary Wilson the uh, uh, Ann Ann Wilson Ann Wilson okay yeah she is a, a heck of a singer and uh, you know she can really deliver a song and my, stuff my like favorite Ann Wilson performances they had the Kennedy Center honors where they where they honored uh, Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And Led Zeppelin's sitting up in the in the balcony, and yeah, Robert Plant I saw that, yes he hears her start doing Stairway to Heaven, and he has that yeah. look on his face like oh no way. And yeah. then when she just nails it, you know, he's giving her a standing ovation yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I saw, I saw that too. And uh, yeah, she's the type of singer that can nail a song. That's that's for sure. And you know, and she she's got the voice to do it. That's for sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right, Spooky Tim, we'll let you go. Are you, are you still back with Spooky on Saturday nights, or you're all uh, you're not doing that right now? Not doing it right now. We've got the uh, NFL on Saturday nights uh, for oh, the playoffs, and then uh, yeah. and then I have to have my surgery. So we'll probably come back in February with it. Well, I, I hope everything goes well with your surgery. Uh, I, you know, I know it's 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 private thing and everything, but I wish the best for you. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, my friend, take it easy. Bye-bye. And uh, yeah, the the thing about Heart too is they always put they they had Led Zeppelin covers early in their career. They put them on on their albums. So I don't know why. And they had been doing Stairway to Heaven for years. So I don't know why Robert Plant was so um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for suspicious of how that performance would go. I think it was probably just for the cameras. You know, I think he I think he knew she was going to nail it. He was probably there in rehearsal. Uh, he's probably heard her do it many times before, but it just made for a nice little viral moment. Uh, of course, you know, Ann Wilson knocks it out of the park. And what I always thought was really funny about Hart, since we're, we're doing a little music trivia, so they had all of those great songs in the 70s, but they never had a number one hit. The first number one hit they had was These Dreams, and that was sung by Nancy Wilson. 
So when they finally got their first number one hit, it wasn't even Ann Wilson singing. And so that was like, oh, man, come on. But then they ended up having a number one hit right after that with Alone with Ann Wilson on vocals. And while I love both songs, Alone is the much better song. So, all right, I got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. 508-996-0500. There's a lot of debate about what the best Hollow Notes song is, but it's that one. It's out of touch. There's no debate. I don't know why you folks even fight about it. I, I don't know why, though. I don't think that that's on Colin Oates. If you're not familiar with Colin Oates, Ariel, have you ever heard of Colin Oates? I have not. Colin Oates is a phone number you can call at any time if you need to hear an emergency Hollow Notes song. Oh, well, that's great. So there's like three or four you can choose from, but Out of Touch is not one of them. It's like Man Eater. Uh, um, I think maybe Private Eyes might be one of them. So, but it's, that's not one of them. Got it. That's cool. I think every artist should do something like that. I, I don't think they had anything to do with Colin Oates, but it's, it still exists. It's still out there. I have it in my phone. So last time uh, I talked about it on the air, I actually called it. So maybe, maybe someday I'll do it again because... It's, it's necessary sometimes. Sometimes you just need a little hollow notes to get you through the day. All right. Well, right now we need to get the news from Ariel. Former President Trump is expected to appear in two different courtrooms this week over efforts to overturn the 2020 elections and his civil fraud case. First off, he's planning to attend today's hearing in a Washington, D.C. federal appeals court where the judges are deciding if he has presidential immunity when it comes to any actions taken regarding the election. Then on Thursday, he'll be in New York for closing arguments in the fraud case where the state attorney general is seeking hundreds of millions of dollars from Trump and his co-defendants. A major winter storm system is bringing dangerous weather to much of the U.S. It dumped snow across the plains and into the Midwest yesterday. Today, the storm heads to the East Coast, where it will bring strong winds to the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast with gusts of 50 to 70 miles per hour possible. And back on this day in 2007, Apple's CEO Steve Jobs unveiled the first-generation iPhone at the Macworld 2007 convention in San Francisco. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Using a touchscreen, the new device combined the feature of Apple's iPod with the mobile phone, allowing users to field phone calls and play music and videos. It would be several more months before the game-changing phone officially went on sale in the United States in June of 2007 with a starting price of just under $500. Secretary... 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli off officials today in Tel Aviv, part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since the Palestinian militant group carried out a wave of deadly attacks inside Israel on October 7th. And several more women are joining an abortion lawsuit against the state of Tennessee. Four women have been added to the suit, which was originally filed last September by the Center of Reproductive of rights on behalf of three patients and two physicians. The center says the four women were denied medically necessary abortion care. In sports, the Pacers have now won seven of their last eight games after rallying past the Celtics 133 to 131. The Celtics will host the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night. The Patriots head coach Bill Belichick met with the media in a video conference Monday morning. Belichick said that he was disappointed with how the season went and that he remains under contract. He also mentioned that he will meet with owner Robert Kraft, but did not acknowledge whether Kraft has given him any indication his job is in jeopardy. In the Bruins begin their four-game road trip with 43 shootout loss to the Colorado Avalanche. Brad Marchand opened the scoring with a power play goal in the first period. Johnny Beecher found the back of the net during the middle frame, and Marchand scored his second of the night in the third. Boston will visit the Arizona Coyotes tonight. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Mostly clear skies this morning with cold temperatures and the mid to low 20s as we head into the afternoon. Mostly cloudy with rain moving in late in the evening. Meanwhile, the temperature this afternoon around 40 winds pick up overnight tonight and the temperature climbs into the low 50s by 5 o'clock in the morning. Heavy rain is expected overnight tonight, giving way to numerous advisories and watches across the area. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. And to the caller who dropped off a gift for Mary, she just came by and picked it up. So the first time that Mary and I ever got to meet in person, and she's very sweet. So I just hope everybody knows that when she calls in and yells at me, we always end up getting along later on. It's all it's all fine. So uh, anyway, 508-996-0500. Hey, going back to the idea of Bill Belichick leaving the Patriots, one of the discussion points has been it may be a trade in which he leaves so that the Patriots get some kind of compensation for him leaving. And 
This was brought up by Mike Florio on ProFootballTalk.com, and it's something that makes sense when you think about it, is, you know, first of all, Belichick kind of dug in his heels a bit uh, with the media yesterday saying, basically, I'm under contract, and I'm just going to keep working here until they tell me not to. Like, that's that was the tone of what his answers were. And what else can he say? Because really, that's the case. He hasn't met with Robert Kraft yet. He says it'll probably be a series of meetings. Um, if it is a series of meetings, I think that bodes well for Belichick staying. Because otherwise, if it's they just want to move on, when, when the company wants to move on from you, there's not a series of meetings to let you know that. There's one meeting, and it usually goes pretty quick. And uh, then you're usually escorted out of the building after that meeting is over. So I, I, I don't think... I don't think Belichick's going to have to be escorted out of the building, but I think it would be one meeting if they were deciding to part ways. So if you if they do end up having a series of meetings, if there's more than one, well, that means he could be sticking around. But it could also mean they're trying to work out a trade, which might take a little while to pull off. But Florio brought up a point that makes perfect sense to me. If you are Bill Belichick, someone who understands the value of every draft pick. Whether or not he's picked well with those draft picks is a different story, but you know that he understands the value that they have. Why would he want to go to a team that is going to give up what would probably be significant picks in order to get him? Because he's under contract. So I think the the real challenge here is for the Patriots to try to portray to the rest of the NFL, we're willing to entertain offers for Bill, but we would also be perfectly happy to keep him there. I think Nia needs you to let her in. Uh, so I think that that's probably the way that they need to to play it. Otherwise, why would teams give you anything of value if they know you're just trying to dump the guy anyway? You know, it, it's like when you're trying to trade a problem player, you're not going to get top value in return because people know you're just trying to dump off a problem. And I don't think that people look at Bill Belichick as a problem. He's just not a fit anymore. Or at least the, the way that he is coaching currently and the way he is running the organization currently is not a fit anymore. But the organization that does want to acquire him would still have to give up something significant. And I guess it all depends on how much Belichick values what they're giving up. If, if they're giving up a fourth round pick, well, maybe he doesn't care. But if they're giving up a second or a third, well, maybe he says, why would I want to go to a team that's willing to give that up? Now, if you remember, draft picks were involved when he came to New England. So I don't know that that would necessarily stop him from being able to do it. But I think that there's probably some hesitancy on his part to go in a trade. And if that's the case, maybe he says to the Patriots, I'll just walk away. You let me go, I'll go to that team, we'll move on. So we'll we'll see how it shakes out, but I don't think it's going to be as quick and painless as people think that it will be. I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a dragged out process either way because I don't think that Bob Kraft is sure what he wants to do. I think Kraft is probably looking at this situation, as I've said before, of do I want to be the guy that got rid of both Brady and Belichick on my watch? Or does he just decide to step down now and let Jonathan do it? Maybe Jonathan takes over and says we're looking for a fresh start with some new blood. 
But uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on it. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hi, Tim. Hello. Hi. I got a question for you on the, the paranormal side of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. Um, I know like you do your research, like in America, we've got, a, you know, we've got some mystery and you go to Europe, it's even bigger. But what kind of, have you ever heard of the stuff like any paranormal research, like say Israel, like the Middle East has Oh, sure. Ancient civilizations, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, one of the big topics in the paranormal over the last decade or so was the idea of the jinn, which comes from the Middle East. The idea of these these creatures uh, that are, uh, you know, that's where the, the idea of a genie comes from, from the jinn. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of something, well, YouTube has got some stuff, uh, your fate is river and stuff like that, but I was mm -hmm. just like the normal, like, ghost stories and stuff like you know what i mean well a lot of it has to do with stuff. you know a lot of the stories that we get has to do with what the belief systems are of the people of that area so it's hard to get you know like for, just for an example you know the wampanoag culture doesn't like to talk about their their spiritual beliefs so we don't get a lot of their ghost stories from their perspective so it's it's hard with some of these cultures in other countries because it's not something that they freely talk about but i have certainly heard lots of stories from the middle east of of different and it's it's usually not say ghost stories as you and I would know them as like the spirits of deceased people it's usually some sort of conjured up being uh, some sort of um, you know a demon type element or a, a maybe just something that is um, the embodiment of negativity or evil and when you think about it that is a, a pretty prevailing theory as to what ghosts could actually be N not everybody believes that ghosts are necessarily dead people myself included Oh, okay, because I know, I mean, I, I hear your stories, like, when you talk about it, I've heard some stuff, you know, you get the conjuring, and, you know, more of the, Amer the American stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure there's European, like, you probably, like, kings and queens, that, like, King Henry VIII, you know, England, and stuff like that, but I was just wondering, what would be in the Middle East, you know what I mean, if someone's done, like, to try to hear, like, ghosts. Like, you know, I know you go out on your um, trips and you bring the equipment and I yeah, was wondering... I don't know that what anybody's do over there, you know, like what kind of stories come out of there, you know? I know people from that area who are paranormal investigators, but I don't know if they're necessarily paranormal investigators in that area. You know, I know folks that are from there who have come to America. Um, so I, I don't know how much of that it would, would be accepted, you know, because in some cultures it's not accepted. So in Japan, you know, they have a lot of spiritual beliefs, but they don't really investigate for the paranormal there. They don't, they don't look at it from that perspective because to them, first of all, they accept the fact that the ghosts are around them so they don't need to prove it and then secondly they consider them to to be their their ancestors so they they would consider it disrespectful to you know shove a, a meter in their face and say you know make this light up so it all depends on kind of the cultural um beliefs in that spirituality before people are going to actually go and investigate that and here here we have that culture because people aren't necessarily believing in the fact that they exist and the same with europe oh okay i was just I was just curious to see what was, what would be the Middle East because, you know, history is <laughs> so long over there versus. Right, America, cradle of civilization. You know? Yeah, you know what we can do is when we when we um, when we come back with Spooky, uh, you know, in the in the next couple of months or so, I'll see if I can get somebody to come on and, and talk about that. Okay, thank you. No problem.
Thank you for the call. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good day. <laughs> and uh, if you want to call in with a question, paranormal or otherwise, 508-996-0500, or hit me up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We'll be right back. I was just talking with our intern, Matt. We were talking about the paranormal uh, based on that last phone call. And I I was reminded that, uh, you know, I will take your Ouija board if you don't want it. A lot of people have them in their closets and they're like, "Ah, it freaks me out that that's in there and I just don't touch it. And I I want it gone, but they're afraid to throw it away because they hear the stories that if you throw it away, anything is attached to it, comes back and attacks you. Not true. Um, You can actually, you can throw a Ouija board away if it bothers you, but you don't have to throw it away. If you don't want it, you can drop it off here to me at the station. You can mail it to me if you're listening from outside the area or if you just don't want to actually meet me. Whatever, you know, you can mail it here to the station and I will take it and rehome it. Usually I hang on to them and will utilize them on investigations. uh, But sometimes I know people that are looking for them and I'll just pass them along. So, for example, I was doing a, a ghost event somewhere. And a person was telling me, oh, you know, I've been looking for a Ouija board, but every time I go to the stores, I can't find them. And I was like, well, just take that one. You know, I've got more because I think they're perfectly fine to use. They're not demonically possessed. All of that started, again, for years and years and years, people had Ouija boards in their home and nobody thought twice about it. Back when they first came out during the Victorian era, every home had one. Uh, People thought that they were, you know, a fun parlor game. The teenage boys and girls that were dating loved to use it because when you came over to visit the girl you were interested in, you weren't allowed to sit next to each other on the couch. You weren't allowed to hold hands. You weren't allowed to touch each other. That stuff wasn't, wasn't permissible in Victorian society. You had to wait for you were married, wait till you married for all that. But what you could do is you could sit down at the little table with the Ouija board on it, and then you both put your hands on the planchette. Now your hands are touching. And then your knees are touching underneath the table. And it was scandalous, but it was all okay because you were using the Ouija board and, and contacting spirits and having fun. And so these were in everybody's homes. And then they forgot about them. They forgot that they were there. Then in 1972, was it, that the Exorcist book comes out? And then, of course, when the movie comes out, that brings out, the idea that the, because in the story, in the, in the Exorcist, Reagan uses the Ouija board and contacts Captain Howdy and then becomes possessed. So everybody's like, oh, those Ouija boards, they're just a portal to hell. That's how the demons come in and get you. So that just added that negativity into it during the satanic panic. Before that, nobody cared. So uh, if you feel uncomfortable with your Ouija board in the home, you can send it to me. I have an article at WBSM.com, you know, basically saying anybody can send it to me. And I was telling the intern how every week or so I get an email from somebody saying, oh, I want to send you my Ouija board. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Here's the address. Send it on over. And then, you know, I've gotten one out of all the people that have said they're going to send them. So I don't know. Maybe they get lost in the mail. It's entirely possible. Maybe somewhere there's a mail carrier who is like possessed now by a demon. And it's my fault because I said you can mail me your Ouija boards. 
But there are people who think, oh, you can only get rid of them by, you know, throwing them in the water and running water to protect them and to lock the spirits. First of all, don't throw your Ouija board into the water. That's pollution. That's littering. Don't do that. Uh, and secondly, it's not going to make a difference. If you really feel uncomfortable, throw it in the trash. Because there's nothing attached to your Ouija board. And even if there was, it doesn't matter what you do to it. it it's still going to get you. So you might as well just throw it in the trash. Or you can send it to me and, you know, I'll take I'll take the demon for you. All right, I got to take one final break here. We'll be right back. And welcome back in the final few moments of the program here. And uh, I'm waiting for the app chat to blow up with people being like, I can't believe that you believe in Ouija boards. I can't believe that you take Ouija boards from people. But um, it's just it's just a piece of cardboard or wood. You know, it's no different than anything else. You, If you walk into a place and say, hey, are there any ghosts here? That's the same idea as what a Ouija board is. It's just opening the channel up for communication. So uh, also it works really good, you know, if you're on a date and you want to like send some, some messages, but you're afraid to say it yourself. Like you can make the ghost say, I think you're cute. But I've actually had people that have run screaming from investigations from what came through on the Ouija board. So... It's all in how you process it. It's all in how you feel about it. And that goes for anything that we talk about here on the program. Tomorrow, we are going... I'm trying to get this guy to come on. He wrote a song. He, he, he writes goofy songs. And he claims to have written over, tw I think, 22,000 songs. And he wrote one about New Bedford. That's very catchy. So I'm trying to get him to come on. He's been on Jimmy Fallon. You know, he's been on The Tonight Show. So I'm trying to get him to come on, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, I'll reach out to him today and see if we can get him to come on tomorrow. Maybe we can get a little bit of a live performance of his song about...